Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, fearing death? Well, Thich Nhat Hanh has an amazingly disappointing solution for you. So Jimi Hendrix helps us find a way to celebrate now. A little screaming in the bathroom is okay. Job is allowed to suffer over God's bet with the devil. Unconditional love, Gandhi's letter to Hitler, Alpha Brain scores another devotee, and y'all can just call me Katana. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode sixty-six of the Drunken Dows podcast. It's summertime, and without further ado, sitting in the air-conditioned coolness of our awesome recording studio in Los Angeles, Daniele Bolelli. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go play. <clears throat> um, a couple of episodes ago, two, three, four—I lost count. I'm not good at math, but I remember giving thanks to the kind women who made the choice of having me as a guest in their vaginas, which was very, very sweet. Now I would like to thank somebody else. Specifically, I want to thank Mr. Emmanuel Carnevale, who, no, he has not given me access to the innermost parts of his body. And, you know, as much as a good-looking man and all, that's not really something that would do it for me, I think. However, he has been extremely generous in helping me set up the put in his time and energy to try to help me set up the website for the historical podcast, trying to do some stuff to actually make it happen, make it good, right? You know, do all the dirty, rough legwork that need to be done behind the scene that Evan Calver is doing for us here at the Drunken Taoist, but poor Evan is already swamped with work. I don't want to give him more. Emmanuel stepped up and is uh, helping out with this, so never-ending thanks to the good man. And so for those of you guys who are wondering, yes, the damn historical podcast is going to happen. I've been working on it like a freaking dog. It just takes a long, long time to do all the research. I've been reading an average of about 3,000 pages per episode, and I have to prepare five episodes before I release the first one in order to buy myself some time for while working on episode six as one, two, and three start to roll. So, yeah, it's a lot of damn work. At the same time, it's so much fun. And uh, I'm excited about it. It is going to happen. I have no idea why. I keep giving deadlines that I regularly screw up on. Well, when so, it's ready, um, it'll be ready. That's the best part. And and we're talking to you, as usual, from the past to the future. You met Mr. Dan Carlin just moments ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the glorious Dan is... I have not enough words to express to say how awesome for human being Dan Carlin is. As usual, he was he reiterated being very supportive of the idea of me doing this historical podcast. And he's just, I don't know, man. I'll go, uh, one of these days, I'm just going to go on a whole Dan Carlin rant on why Mr. Carlin is one of the coolest human beings on earth. For right now, I'll just shed happy tears thinking of the glory that is Dan. 
No, he's really a cool human. I like him so much. And uh, He was uh, incredible with the blueprints to Armageddon finally wrapping up. Yeah. And it's amazing. He, he ended up laying out all the mistakes they made at the end of World War One mm-hmm. that pretty much ensured that World War Two would just be 20 years away. Absolutely. I do think it's funny, though. I never realized that the appeasement of early on of Hitler's demands was more about they would have done anything. Oh, yeah. Rather than get back into another. Yeah. Can we this? Yeah, you forget being in World War One. Just listening to six episodes of the Dan Carlin series, you have fatigue by the end. You have PTSD from so, yeah, shell shock. podcast PTSD from just <laughs> the way Dan can deliver the the emotions attached to the, everything that went into World War One. So, yeah, I can see how they were like, Hitler, please just be a deer and stop screwing things up. Just do whatever. Just don't force us to get into a war because we really don't want to. You can see the logic for that, indeed. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Let me let me make fun of one of our sponsors just Let's because. Let's do it's, it. Let uh, it rip. It's the Datsusara roast. Hoo-ya! So I'm actually pushing. This is a rather curious way to advertise, but I swear there's actually a point. So one of the weirdest Datsusara items that I actually do use on a daily... Actually, I use a lot of Datsusara items on a daily basis. Just in this very moment, I'm wearing a Datsusara hoodie. I'm carrying a Datsusara computer bag plus a Datsusara fanny pack. If Uh, only you can have Datsusara underwear to go with it. There are. I don't have them today, but unless you want to check. Incomplete. Yeah. The, um, let's talk about the Datsusara fanny pack, renamed as the Joe Rogan fanny pack, because Joe apparently has a curious passion for fanny packs. That guy's anti-American. Right. Anybody that wants to keep you from doing what you want to do, that's anti-personal freedom. That's fucking disgusting. Now, in case you're wondering, because a few people have issues with fanny pack because they look goofy as hell, and they do. However, by wearing it daily for the last several years by now probably since we started the podcast i've had it every single day because i'm one of those guys who carry way too much shit all the time and if you give me a backpack i'll still have more stuff in my pocket somehow i always manage to i have this uh kind of complex that i have to carry my whole house with me type of thing you're part turtle so yeah indeed so i have uh i'm a proud wearer of the datsusara funny pack some of the side benefits that go with it is that it's a great idea for trimming your ego since, you know, in addition to helping you carry stuff, it's good for your spiritual development since everyone will laugh at you everywhere you go uh, because how goofy you look. If you are a particularly hot male and you're struggling with monogamy, we guarantee that wearing the Datsusara funny pack will help you it will make things so much easier for you as uh, all those uh, devilish women who are trying to ensnare you and take you away from your faithful monogamous commitment. And it's a birth control device. Yeah, um, well, I guess because once they... Yeah. yeah, there are multiple effects on that. So, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Get yourself a Datsusara funny pack as... Uh, um, Savannah's little brother told me a story that was hilarious when, when somebody was talking shit about my wearing the funny pack and he said no 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 that's a sign that he's a real man because you look so damn goofy that only a real man would be able to pull that off and needless to say he'll win you know uh, I, and I owe him forever for that but <laughs> funny packs man that's what it's all about it's your test of manhood 
Having said that, there are a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of other stuff on the Natsusara website, some of which we mentioned. The hoodie is probably one of my all-time favorite items. I wear it all the time. Um, other other stuff, shirt design T-shirts. Uh, on top of it, besides shirt design, he's actually opened up a second website called Harem Pants. Harem as in uh, you are. A member Con- of the, the Sheik's harem. Yeah, you have concubines left and right, that kind of harem. Who doesn't? Pants, as in wearing pants. Adding to the whole hippie galore, uh, happy, mystic... Uh, how do you say it in English? I was like, somehow, for some reason, it's so weird. Sometimes when I'm speaking Italian, suddenly pops up, and I have no idea what I'm saying because I'm throwing out a word in Italian. What's the Italian English. word? Guardaroba. Wardrobe is like your ensemble uh, wardrobe. Wardrobe, thanks. The word of the day that's is the, wardrobe. Yes, that is indeed it. So, check out all that um, short design T-shirt has to offer in its new incarnation as well with iron pants, and of course the cool folks at Onnit. One of my this has been one of my ongoing ob- Onnit obsession has been the hemp force the chocolatey version of Amp Force, I started out thinking, eh, it doesn't taste bad. And then I started, now I crave it. Not only for the effects, but I actually like the taste now, which initially the taste I was neutral on, and never disliked it, but I wasn't so crazy about but it. But those now swole I'm... muscles changed your mind. Hey, babe, check Ooh. this out. So, no, that's great. I use it for smoothies. I use it just on its own. I just throw it in water and mix it up. I like it. It's a great way to get proteins. So, check it out. Hemp Force Choco Maca. Sound cool. Um, so, having said thank you to all of these good folks, I would say, well, while we are at it, let's say a quick thank you also to Daisy House for providing the music. Uh, let's jump into the episode. Here we go. Time to get your Bibles opened up, girls and boys, because Father Bolelli is going to tell you another fine Bible story of the street. Get out and make him give you rid of some of that horrible, long-held hate and grudges that you carry around, because Jesus wouldn't appreciate that at all. So here we go. Without further ado, Father Bolelli's church telling Tori from the Bible time. One of the most depressing stories of all times. Oh, um, good. Yeah, we start well. It's a story of Job, as in J-O-B. Not as in having a job, but as in name of some particular Old Testament guy. Ooh, he's not exactly the luckiest guy on earth. Or rather, he starts being the luckiest guy on earth. Since at the beginning of our story, everything is going great for him. He has an amazing family. He's really uh, wealthy. He has all this. And wealthy by an Old Testament standard. So meaning he has a lot of goats and has a big farm, that kind of thing, you know. But he's healthy, his life is awesome, he's, uh, and he's super devout to God. Well, thank goodness for that. Yeah. So one day, 
um, what happens is that God and the devil are hanging out and I'm not playing. It's basically, you know, the devil show up and God is like, hey, what were you doing? He's like, oh, just running around the earth doing this and that. And God says, um, well, have you seen my faithful servant job? Isn't he amazing? Can you find any more perfect example of devotion and faith? He's such a good guy. And the, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just said, come on, God, you're just going to cause some trouble here because everybody knows that the devil's going to be like, oh, this motherfucker... We'll fix this right now. Yeah, and he doesn't even say we'll fix it. The, the, the devil only said, look, no wonder he's this. he loves you. Look at what you've done for him. You gave him a great life. You gave him every, You made everything easy for him. You protect him. You make all. No wonder the guy loves you. That's why he loves you. Psh. Let's go find some lepers that like you. Yeah, exactly. And God is like, wait, 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 wait. You're saying that if I stop protecting him, he would stop having this great faith in me? Of course. The devil said, of course. How long you been around? Exactly. He's like, what a bet? <gasps> no, actually, the one a bet power comes from God. Because the devil is just saying, yeah, you know, that's the only reason why he likes you. Well, gambling's not on that list of 10, so good for that. Nope. <laughs> what are they going to bet? And, um, and God basically say, you know what? It's betting time. Tell you what. I removed my protection from Job, and by all means... Fuck with him as much as you want. Just do whatever. You can kill the guy because we need to see that, you know, whether he's faithful or not. But other than that, do as you please. And the devil is like, wait, you are going to let me do whatever I want to the guy who has been most faithful to you. And you say this paragon of virtue and you're handing him to me. Ho, ho, ho. This is going to be fun. So the devil said, well, in that case. And so promptly what happens is that all of God, of Job's children as well as animals, they will be killed in horrific ways in a very short period of time. His house will burn down. He's, uh, he's going to lose all his wealth. And then because it's not quite enough, he's going to afflict him with some nasty, pus-ridden pestilence that cover him in boils all over. So his health is going to shed. It's like, how do you like it now? You know, let's see if uh, let's see if he's still that faithful. And as it turns out, Job is not exactly happy. You know, he's uh, but he doesn't curse God. He literally, you know, they play this game to a point where Job is there crying his eyes out, wishing he had never been born. He's like suffering like you wouldn't believe, but at the same time, still saying, oh, you know, God is good, and you just I. I'm unlucky and life sucks. Programming. But, um, and, and basically he asks, uh, he, he begs God to kill him. That's how bad it's getting for job. You know, he's like, make it end. You know, this is, this is torture. It literally is torture for the guy, right? You know, you took everything he loves away from him. You took his health, you took his kids, you took everything. So the God shows up when Job is beginning to crack and beginning to wonder, you know, why is God doing that to me? And essentially, God gets mad and is like, hey, you cracking? You getting mad at me or something? And Job immediately is like, no, 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 so sorry, plead for mercy. 
I do not, I'm faithful, I love you, and all of it. And God goes, okay, fine. Then they will pay up, I want the bet, the dude is still faithful. He's not dead yet, though. And Well, because he's not supposed to, you know, it's about seeing whether he can crack him without killing him, and he's done everything in his power so far. Well, let him live another 900 years. And so Job, then, uh, you know, God gives, um, God gives, um, makes heals job and gives him all his wealth back and gives him a whole new set of kids because uh, that somehow make up for your other seven or whatever many kids where you saw dying before you basically the idea is like it was all a cosmic play and now god because you have been loyal fixes it back all but, it's not a good fix though no I, I have a couple of question marks about the fix part because you're original set of kids are still dead yeah. and you still saw them die in horrific ways how do you fix it for them you can do the men in black mind wipe and, 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 and just no. reincarnate those old ones yeah that would have worked better so we don't really know how you know it's like those fuckers not much is fixed for them but uh, but I don't know a point to prove here but yeah, the whole story of the divine bet between God and the devil who decide to play chess using job as the the piece that they move around the pawn that they move around to see what what they can do to whether the guy will crack or not pretty cruel it's uh, not sort of a loving god move what do you mean pretty cruel we are this is a test of faith this is what showing true faith is all about you would have failed had you been in job shoes, you would have failed by doubting God. Go repent right now. But, you know, if you have a chat with the devil, he'll uh, he'll bet you a golden fiddle and have a fiddle playing content. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I spare the rod, spoil the chat. Oh! <laughs> this, this is not worth the money. Don't think that I'm being mean to you. I'm actually helping you reach the point the job went through when he finally decided that he begs for to be dead and regrets the day he was ever born i'm just helping you relate in a more personal way to a biblical story you're right so, i'm sorry okay bible stories aren't as fun as they used to be Here we are. It's ranting time. Very important to get a rant off your skin. Now, this is going to be a month from now when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And I just have to mention real quickly, we had these crazy people in Texas decide to do the Muhammad drawing contest and not expect anything to happen. What is it with this moment where free speech means you have to allow idiots to do stupid or mean things. No, but I think that's actually, there are two interesting points to that. One that I very much think they expected and wished for something to happen, because of course that will make the point. The other one that was fun is because of course, you know, from where we stand, where we don't like those, you know, it was very much from a super hardcore right-wing standpoint, the people who set it up. So we may not be our typical buddies. At the same time, there was something that happened with Abby Martin where she had... uh, 
this shirt that was a fuck. What's the guy's name? Kyle, uh, American Sniper dude? I don't remember. Whatever. That guy. Yeah. Um, so kind of this right-wing hero, and she had this shirt saying, uh, fuck him, basically. And, um, and then she started getting death threats to herself and to her family, and clearly there were a bunch of people who were pissed, because you can't do that, you know? You can't just fucking threaten somebody and their family because they say they fuck you to somebody, you know? That's just psychotic. Much in the same way. So in that sense, in both stories, they are both testing the limits of free speech. Yes. They are both poking a bear of people who are crazy. Yeah, not a great idea who, on either hand. No, because neither... And by the way, this illustrates perfectly the similarities among fundamentalists, because whether you're talking about Islamic fundamentalists or whether you're talking about some crazy ultra-right-wing nut who's like, I'm going to shoot you with my sniper rifle if you offend my idols yeah. and you step on the American flag kind of thing. In both cases, the similarities are eerie. You know, the degree... In Abby Martin's case, I don't think she was looking to have somebody... Uh, like, that's a case where it's a little more naivete, where I feel that you may expect it yeah, that that's going to happen. Yeah, but your friends at the, at, the, at the Mohammed Festival would not feel that way at all. They'd be like, look at that. How dare she? American hero. Oh, yeah, of course. No, that's yeah. the beauty of no, the contradiction is, is that you're essentially doing the same thing. But the problem, I don't know how Abby would feel about those guys, but definitely I know how those guys would feel about her. Yes. They would be horrified and pissed off and everything, but they are doing the exact same thing. I don't know. I would be curious to know if she felt the same way, so there was an hypocrisy going on there, or she's actually more aware of the whole deal and wouldn't have that going. But in either case, it's pretty interesting because there were two cases that were, those of you guys who don't know Abby Martin, she was on Joe Rogan's podcast a bunch of times. She's done a ton of things on her own in her journalistic career. But yeah, it was uh, interesting to look at uh, sort of the limits of free speech, not the limits in the abstract, because I don't think there should be limits in that regard about stuff no, like this. No, you're perfectly willing to be as dumb as you fucking want to be, but it's slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, in some way, I feel like there's something legitimate about poking psychos because they can't tolerate free speech. Yes. So I'm all for, you know, the, like the, when there was the whole thing about the cartoon in France um, and that generated, you know, the cartoons of Mohammed then sparked this attack on the yeah. French paper and they shot them dead and all of that stuff. It's like... That's the ultimate litmus test of when people can't deal with what individual rights entail. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, all of the things where... And, you know, this notion that, oh, if you... Freedom of speech only goes as far as when you offend me, because suddenly when you offend me, the, your freedom of speech is gone. Oh, fuck you. No, that's not the way it works. Freedom now, of speech you you means... got to take it both ways, my friend. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff that I don't like. I think we had discussions before about like some kind of humor West and Pro comedy. Church that I found. and pieces of shit like that. But at the same time, that's what freedom of speech is. It's like, I can say I don't like it. I can say I think it's tasteless or it's bullshit, but at the end of the day... I'm not going to shoot anybody because they nope. disagree with me. That's hey, it's their thing. That's what. And it's interesting to see both the hardcore Islamic fundamentalists as well as the America crowd who both can't tolerate. Both got their the, toes stepped on. The funniest are the, the whole uh, anti Abbey Martin super right wing thing because these are the guys who are all about the va our flag, the values of the flag, except you're going to 
type on them because you are exactly. No, they're literally scratching Bill of Rights. Yeah, in the name of the defend the flag, I'm gonna step against the very idea of freedom of speech, which is what supposedly what you know. So it's hilarious. No, just you gotta get used to it, folks. It's gonna be out there, and people are gonna piss you off, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think you should get riled up once in a while, but it doesn't give you the right to shoot anybody. And Abby, anytime you want to come on the show and 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 chat this out with us. You'd be happy to have you along. Yeah, I'm mildly scared now. Maybe when as long as you're not wearing that shirt and uh, yeah, it's like so. You know, uh, I'm sure these guys are good, but I don't want her to shoot. You know, I don't want her to shoot her, and I definitely don't want them to shoot us. So, um, you know, I don't want to be in the crossfires. Like, oh, I was aiming for Abby Martin, and motherfucking Italian stepped in front of it, and I. <sighs> so, but yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, anyway. Please. Um, let's jump into something else. The, um, this is, I think, I'll, we have been through this before, and there was kind of like my controversy with certain, uh, my troubled relationship with some of the renowned spiritual teachers that most people in the crowd that will listen to us dig, you know, the... Um, we're talking about the kind of stuff that I like to begin with. You know, I like a lot of Buddhist ideas. I like a lot of Taoist ideas, obviously. I like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that I dig. But that doesn't mean that all of it, I even the people I like, even them, doesn't mean I like all of, everything about them. So somebody gave me a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, I believe. Let's say that, well, again, I fuck up everybody's name, so probably I messed this him up too. He's super famous. Uh, Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk, uh, very, very renowned spiritual teacher, this and that. He said just create your own religion. Yeah, no, that was another glorious human oh, being. Oh, I get confused. Yeah. Is, um, somebody gave me this book of his about fear, and I read it, and there's a part where he goes into it and he's talking about you know the most basic fear of all, the fear of death. And he lays down all the reason why, yeah, it's totally understandable why people should be afraid of death. And he's then coming to the solution part where after you feel like, yeah, you're absolutely right, Mr. Thich Nhat Hanh. That's totally, yeah, yeah, I see where you're going. Yes, oh my God, you're going to give me the solution to this? This is perfect. You are sort of setting up the problem, clearly understanding it so that then you deliver the, the good line that saves us all. And then he got to the part the why you shouldn't be afraid of that thing. And I was like, he basically says, look, everybody's afraid of that because you are afraid of personal extinction, the end of yourself, this and that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, that's what's going on. He's like, but you shouldn't be afraid because, you know, once you're dead, you get turned into grass and stuff. You yeah. don't disappear. You don't, you know, you, the energy that makes you, you will still exist in the form of, you know, dirt in the ground or grass. So Your molecules aren't so, going anywhere. So once you realize that clearly, you know, once that's clear, all your fear is going to go away. Didn't work, huh? And I was like reading it. I'm like, are you fucking serious? That's the solution they are proposing. You're going to turn into grass. Don't be afraid. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That's the, I was not a happy camper at that point. I read this whole damn book. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, this is, so yeah, that didn't exactly do it for me. And I mean, I'm happy if it does it for him, you know, whatever gets you over the humps in life. Good for you. I'm all for it. So, and if he works for anybody else, good for them. 
but I'm kind of thinking if he wasn't Mr. Thicknathan who sits down as the big Zen master guy and somebody else tells you this, would you slap him saying shut up or would you actually say... Well, my say, unconditional love would force me to pause yeah. a moment before giving him a smack. But, I, you know, that's pretty damn weak at the end of the day, to, to, to especially to sit and postulate for page after page. Yeah. Isn't it was... funny, though? I think... I think like a, a long, lingering fading is probably more scary than the actual death because when it's over, it's over. What the fuck are you going to do about it at that point? No, not at that point. Is the I guess it's because that brings up all the sort of this sense of meaningless in existence, this sense of utility, this sense of... And, you know, nobody knows, so maybe it's not that way at all, but it sure is not the fact that you turn into grass, the fact that makes you get over it. No. And uh, and again, I'm amazed. It makes me wonder: Are people really? Do they hear that message and they get over it somehow? And you that's know, something the... works for everybody. There's a lot of people out there, and that might be just the thing somebody was looking for. You and know, you're right. I can't wait to be grass or dump me in the ocean so a shark can eat me, and I can be shark poo, and other little fish can have. I'll be in a million fish before you know it. It'll be yeah, granted, and then some of me will fall down to the bottom of the of the ocean and. So yeah, Mr. Thicknathan failed to do Not invited. Me. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I'm sure many people say he's awesome, so I'm sure he says some great stuff. I'm sure there's uh, what I've seen. Is he contemporary or is he yeah, from... still okay. around. He's a, he's a quite, uh, he's like almost 90 years old or something. He's like in his eight, late 80s. He's, uh, and, you know, some of the stuff, even in the book, he sounds like a cool guy and he has some good points, but, you know, the what essentially was the heart of the book just completely failed to deliver for me so I was a little like you know like oh did you read it did you feel better I'm like no I did not feel better this is bullshit but in any case that's my angry self against this poor happy Buddhist monk so what do we do um well I mean I really think it's I never found the um, the best moments for me, and we're talking moments when it comes to dealing with things like these, yeah. boil down to that look at life in its grittiest, ugliest way, acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you don't control shit, that who knows what happens, that it may turn out in the worst possible scenario, and still find a way to be happy here and now in this moment, kind of having that the answer in hopelessness with the defiant smile, smile and raised middle finger. Those are the moments that, the moments when I'm in that mental space, I'm good. I feel okay about everything. Then, of course, I get bumped out of the mental space quite a bit. But whenever I can get back there, so it's not that rationally I don't know how to feel. Is that it's not always easy to get myself there. And I sure wouldn't mind if there was actually something easier and more pleasant that say, you don't have to worry about it because, and it's this brilliant answer. Because you're going to be grass one day, friend. that did not do it. Uh, On the note of the um, happiness in the year and now, here is something that I wanted to throw out there. At this moment, I was maybe, I don't remember, a few weeks ago or something, I was listening to, it was night, I was listening to Jimi Hendrix, a highly underrated Jimi Hendrix, by the way, if you guys have never checked it out, a song entitled 1983, beautiful, beautiful song, it's, uh, there's only four records, how come y'all not heard all of it? Uh, I, I think I listened to all four today, plus live performances of various songs that he played. I listened to like 30-something Hendrix songs in a row today. He was a glorious Hendrix marathon. He was a god, man. He's like, 
nobody before him, nobody after him came even close to the stuff he was doing. No, he was like an shame. alien. He was just warming up too. Yeah, he was Can an alien from what outer 20 space. more years would have done? <sighs> yeah, that pissed me off. He's like, don't do drugs. Okay. On that note, the um, and I also heard some random conspiracy theories that would hint at don't piss off your manager because there are all sorts of theories about people offing him and not exactly being a totally natural thing. I have no idea. In any case, cool conspiracy theory. The, but yeah, this is not about that. As much as I indulge in Hendrix worship on a regular basis, oh, I just got a gigantic Hendrix poster in my house. I'm very pleased with it. That's going to look nice next to the Conan poster. Yeah, exactly. That's precisely the plan. It's going to be Hendrix and Conan. But uh, the, um, what happened was I was listening to Hendrix and just listening to the music, doing nothing. I wasn't listening and writing. I wasn't listening and planning what to do next. I wasn't... And I realized, man, I never listen to music and that's it these days. I'm always doing something else. My mind is always going on some other stuff and and just stopping instead, just sitting there and listening to this amazing piece of music that just takes you in all sorts of places emotionally and just beautiful, beautiful stuff. I sat down there and I kind of stepped outside of myself for a second where I could just look down on this situation and be like, this is fucking awesome right here right now it's beautiful what i'm feeling now such a happy good feeling of just very satisfied with life in this moment and i was thinking so much of the time i there are moments like that available and i i don't even want to talk for other people what other people do i'm just going to talk about my own shit of how i handle it but so much of the time i lose those moments I ignore them, I don't pay enough attention to them, I just, because my mind is constantly thinking about, uh, I will be, ha- yeah, this is nice, I like this, this is good and all, but really what, I'll be so much happier and it will be so much greater once, uh, fill in the blank, right, the once, once I'll make enough money, once I'll uh, write 10 more books, once I'll get that thing done, once there's that project that, it's always at some point in the future, once those conditions are fulfilled, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have the right to be happy. And not that there's anything wrong with doing all of that stuff. If I can get it done, great. That's what the good side of ambition is, the good side of wanting to, of being driven of. That's great and all. But why not also appreciate the fact that right here, right now, in this moment, life is awesome. Yeah, tomorrow I'll have something that gets in my way, that gets annoying. Yeah, this bad shit happened in the past. Yes, there are all those things. Yes, it would be better if... But this idea of deferred happiness, of constantly postponing happiness only when certain conditions oh, are Oh, yeah, satisfied. waiting for the perfect moment. You're just going to keep waiting. Yeah, it's like celebrate now. Celebrate now. Yeah. Whatever it is, with all its imperfections, with all its bullshit... If you can find a one moment where Jim is playing his guitar and taking you to a good place, that one moment is real. You know, that one moment is right there. And it's not Jim, it's something else, whatever that may be. But that's... The perfect weather we've been having lately. has been like There's been moments where the breeze is blowing mm-hmm. and it's 74 degrees and the sun is perfect. And you're like, this is a bottleable day. Yeah. But you can't. So you might as well take a deep breath yeah. and forget about everything else and let that sun shine on you and feel that breeze blowing. It's so perfect. And swallow it up. It is funny what you say, though. I mean, if you're afraid of, you know, your possible 
mortality, mm-hmm. most likely mortality, then make something that's going to last. Yeah. And, you know, and we're not all going to be Hendrix or anything like that, but you can at least take that chance because in a dark, dark world, the music and the art are the things that are positive, mm-hmm. that we do great things. And it's not all ISIS and horseshit and intrigue and murder. And There's you, oh. a million awesome moments every single day that if you just take a moment, you know, yeah, sitting in traffic sucks ass, but when you get out and you're home... And there's your family waiting for you. If you're lucky enough to have something like that, what are you bitching about? Absolutely. And that's where, to me, is uh, that ability to enjoy it right there, right at that point. Yeah, traffic sucks, but I have the latest Dan Carlin podcast to listen to. So I'm just going to circle around the block three more times because I'm almost at the end. And, you know, that kind of thing is... It's really about, you know, putting that emphasis on uh, that's if I can get one thing out of meditation, which I've been horrible at. Right. I'm telling myself that I want to meditate every day. X number of minutes. I feel every single moment. It's almost pathetic. It's because you need your float tank. But I do. Yeah, I probably do. But I do manage to um, get a tiny micro meditations, you know, five minutes here, three minutes there. Okay, you can take one breath right? Just give me one full inhale and exhale. That will be your meditation. You can go that far. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can go that far. Whenever I do that, the one thing that I've been able to get out of it is this sense of slowing everything down, stopping whatever I'm doing, and really coming a place of enjoyment of the present, which, yeah, may not solve the future, may not make up for the past, but the fact that for the one second you have power over the situation by allowing yourself to feel that happiness, it's pretty big. And I know this even like with every other project that's going on, even with the podcast, you know, how many times with the podcast we're really happy with what we are doing. This is so much fun. We get to meet some awesome people. There have been a lot of people who sent us super cool emails. It's satisfying to know that X number of people around the world listen and then there's that other annoying fucking gnome hidden inside. Not the orgasm counting gnome, the annoying evil gnome who's telling you, yeah, but so-and-so has... Uh, Twice as many times as you as do. Exactly. What's your problem? Is, you can't uh, get anything done. And, you know, you're not really making a living out of it, no, so it's not really... Uh, it's time. like And it's like, shut up already, you know? It's... There's worse ways to waste time than hanging out with y'all out there. Yeah, and it's awesome, and it's great. And it's, again, it's like, when is uh, that you can, because when you think that you have, uh, if I have 200,000 people who listen, then I'll be happy. No, there will be the guy who has 400,000. There will be the time when, yeah, I'm making some money on it, but, like, is that what we meant? Fuck all that. Fuck all that. Enjoy the one episode that your mom listened to and no one else in the world. And if you're having a good time or nobody, even your mom decided she has something better to do that day and you just have a good time doing what you do, not for anybody else, even on the like create art front. Maybe it's not art that lasts forever. Maybe it's not even art that lasts. Maybe it's not even art at all. Maybe it's just you playing with your kids or you playing with whatever and you're happy in the moment. I was about to say you play with yourself. Well, yeah, that would also can make you happy in other ways. It's a, a happy ending. In a flashlight kind of way. But oh. the, the... Yeah, man, it's like... Seriously, just find a way to celebrate now because it doesn't really get any better later. And uh, this one moment is it. 
And um, and you never know when it's going to be over. You could just walk out and get hit by a bus in you know the next hour. I'm going on the freeway, motherfucker. Now well, you me jinx too. me and I hate no, you. I'm not jinxing. I'm just saying yeah. I, what I was really thinking is we're so programmed to be so driven and so competitive yeah. and so yeah. that – you know, you burn your whole twenties up just chasing and and uh, me, 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 and this whole, like I've said a million times, that we sort of lost our sense of community. And then when you're just dependent on yourself, you don't find these moments to be happy because it's yeah, how can I be happy? I don't have a, I don't have an iWatch mm-hmm. yet. I don't have a, yeah. No, absolutely, and it's. Uh... We are saying this shit, by the way, and we fail so often at Every living by this day. stuff. But oh, when yeah. we don't. When we actually like really that one Hendrix moment for me was so beautiful. Yeah, it was a moment where I was like, ah, this is life. Yeah, this is that uh, Zen moment of there's this beautiful Zen poem about the miracle of going out to draw water from the well and chopping wood, which is in pre-industrial time would be the most ordinary activities that anybody can do, and this guy kind of having this. Orgasmic bliss, not literal orgasmic, but you know, in a he's a half ring for metaphorical that sense of just finding that beautiful moment in the ordinary experience that puts you in touch with this happiness here and now. Yeah, that's an art, and more than an art, I would say it's a muscle that needs to be cultivated. Uh, I think everybody at one point or another in their life has glimpses of those moments. The key is to build the muscle, to build attention, to build awareness, to make space and time for it where you stop everything and look. And it's, it's funny how rainbows have that ability to drop people into that moment. Sure. I've seen it over and over again, especially out here. There's a rainbow in L.A. There's somebody on every street corner with their camera out taking a picture of it. Yeah, because there's never or rain. traffic so, will slow yeah. down. Yeah, or... Even like with the great weather yesterday in Ventura, we've got the purple jacaranda trees. Yeah. So in the breeze, you have a thousand purple petals falling down. It's almost Dr. Seussian surreal. And again, you can look at it. Those, those fucking trees are sticky. And when the yeah, leaves fall on the earth, shit up again. Yeah, they God destroy your car and whatever. Or they're the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. They're both true. You know, they're both aspects of it are true. So tricky business so but mm. for a challenge for you guys beside the uh, good stuff and you know happiness here and now celebration all of that that's all good but more importantly next time you see a rainbow please check to see if you see our orgasm counting gnome doing summer salts back and forth on the rainbow because we have been told that he indulges in such behavior from time to time when he's not on duty counting orgasms so please check that out if you spot him do let us know but don't approach him Mine almost the same. It's like that's Very happening close. next week or something. It's like you're almost six years old. Come on, get on with it. Don't you want to drive yourself to school? Where's your spirit of independence? Damn it. It's funny. It's not the greatest pad in the world. It's very small, kind of broken up, back of a house sort of a deal. And she's so happy. Of course. That first true solitude. Mm-hmm. No roommates. Oh, yeah. 
I remember my friend. I had to, I had like the bottom, like the den of a house, like the bottom quarter of a two story house, and it was the best. It's all good stuff. Having your own space, there's something magical about that. Ah. Hey, I have a I have a crazy uh, universe winking at you moment that my Without. wife and I discovered. We literally were in the same building for the first time ten years to the day before my daughter was born. Wow. And that's when, uh, you know, you guys didn't know each other, and later you found out that you were in the same building, same thing. Yeah. That's pretty damn interesting. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Quite wild. So like when me and Brock used to hang out in Honolulu when I was a baby. Oh, that's right. When uh, in the maternity ward. Uh, Even yeah. later, at the shopping mall, at the Orange Julius. Yeah, yeah, same one. I like pineapple. Nice. Anyway, what is he up to this week? Isabella, so... Isabella proving that hmm, maybe I need to tone down the Conan the Barbarian stuff. Um, <laughs> Another failed experiment. No, it's, uh, that was interesting. So there has been uh, one that was interesting was um, I received this. Um, it's actually semi, I'll make it quick. But what happened is after we did our Conan episode and I was bitching about how the lack of awesome Frank Frazetta t-shirts and so on, somebody alerted me there's this website operated by the daughter and the granddaughters of Frank Frazetta, Frazetta Girls, that um, has a lot of merchandise. Now, the t-shirts are not in stock yet, the ones I dig, but the, there will be and they are be amazing. But they sent me this beautiful Frank Frazetta reproduction, super well done. One of them is actually has been shot and rendered by Robert Rodriguez, the guy from, uh, you know, That's the, the, dawn, he knows, the yeah. whole, you know, Sin City, one of my favorite movies of all times. And um, so I got this one big giant Conan poster. The second I opened it, Isabella jumped up screaming, Conan, I want that in my room. And you should see the poster because there's Conan Hello Kitty. with a grim face holding on to this sword. There's this naked woman wrapped around his knee and they are on a mountain of corpses. So that's clearly what the five-year-old would want in a uh, five-year-old girl, sorry, would want in a room. But uh, yeah, that was... friends are going to be jealous and you're going to get phone calls. I know. And this, this is funny because then she likes the super girly stuff and, you know, all this and that, Disney, but but Conan also is, uh, I want Conan. I think we reach a compromise. I probably Conan will go in a common space. So everybody can enjoy it. Exactly. That's and, not a uh, bad idea. And I do have, they, they were really nice. They sent me some other Frank Frazetta art. I think I'm going to give them, uh, I'm going to give Isabella, I'm going to let Isabella have a peek of one of the other ones. But, um, but yeah, so that was pretty fun. The, did he do other characters for literature? Or is oh, it yeah. A whole, so yeah. He did a whole bunch of different things. Conan is a subset of a lot of his. And I mean, the Frank Frazetta art is so beautiful. Like, he's such an amazing painter. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. Can you imagine the, being able to do that? And of course, that appeals to my teenage self, which is all, you know, the cult of the body. It's all muscle and boobs and just everything that's very carnal and intense. It's right there. He was actually part of the movie. I don't know if you remember it. Fire and Ice was this um, uh, cartoon that uh, the same guy who had done the first Hobbit in a cartoon version at work on. I forget the name right now. Very. F um, that's my mistake because he's a big, super famous guy. The, um, and actually Rodriguez wants to do Fire and Ice now as a live actors movie so he wants to retake it Fire and Ice is awesome because really the whole thing is images of young hot bodies both the male hero and the female hero on display with as little clothing as humanly possible so there's 
it's an anatomy study that from an artistic standpoint is brilliant, right? Because you're Especially doing Especially for a 14-year-old. Oh, yeah. It's pure joy. But uh, in any case, the... <laughs> No, the Frazetta thing is, yeah, any of you guys want to check it out, frazettagirls.com, I believe. And uh, it's uh, they have so much good merchandise in there. Is, uh, I would uh, I need to tie myself when I reach for the credit card because I would buy every single thing they have otherwise. It just, well, you can't wear them all at once, so it's exactly. okay. Yeah, it's like, uh, but yeah, in any case, so the, the battle for the Conan poster, for the Frank Frazetta Conan poster has begun. And keeping up with that theme on... Um, on a different day, she tells me, I want to change my name. I'm like, okay, so what do you want your name to be? Aubrey. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's right. For I want to be called Katana. I'm like, Katana? Katana is in, you know, Samurai Sword Katana. And she's like, yeah, I mean, if you like the name Isabella, we can keep it. But then you need to call me Katana Isabella. And I was like, okay, that's fair. That's, uh, we have, so Katana, could you believe it? That's pretty fun. <laughs> And uh, these are things that stick, though. You know, you, you can be in trouble here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm for it. I, it has a ring to it. I dig katana. Wasn't bad. So, and then the other one that uh, this was bizarre. It was a day when everything was going wrong. You know, my computer doesn't work. The car doesn't do this. The, the you know there I forget them, but there was a string of like seven things in a row that were all not working, or there was trouble. Or there was some kind of pain in the ass about it. And then Isabella topped it off by climbing on a thing, falling off this um, couch, going headfirst on some concrete steps. I was like, so then I got scared and worried, and she seemed okay, but you know, you you got freaked out, sure. and you know, she just don't got, go to sleep. She got a big bump on her head uh. and uh, all of that, and I was like, so at one point when I realized, okay, she's gonna be okay. We don't need to go to emergency. I could. But I was so overwhelmed with frustration and stuff that I told her is, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to close the door. If you hear screaming coming out of the bathroom, don't worry. It just, that's just what I need to do. Okay. And she's like, okay. I go to the bathroom. I'm like, howling in 17 ways. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I walk out. 10 minutes later, I give her some milk. I hand it to her. She promptly spill it all over the place. She immediately look at me and she's like, if you want to go to the bathroom again to scream some more, it's okay with me. Okay. Just maybe it's a good idea. It's if a you really go good now. idea. Go you know, take care of that screaming in there. Yeah. I'll be here cleaning, not crying over the spilled milk. Did just to say that cracked me up to that. It was so funny, right? He's like, if you really want to go scream in the bathroom, it's okay. Like, she saw my face before I said anything about the spilled milk. I was like, exactly. I had precisely the face that Rich is making in this moment of just like pure frustration and smoke coming out of my ears. It's where we live these days. And uh, and she was like, it's okay. Just go scream in the bathroom. It's all good. I strongly suggest it is great therapy to scream in the bathroom. It feels good. Plus, it's got you know, a nice echo in there if you got enough tile. Yeah, so yeah. I can... A little reverb. Yeah. I go really just sort of primordial, uh, pissed off man. <laughs> so, like, my throat hurts for... No, I explode on this barbaric. Conan would be proud. But, um, but yeah, that was glorious. So, in any case, go scream in the bathroom. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. It's dream time, everybody. What sort of crazy wackiness has been going on in the nocturnal hours of Mr. Bellelli? Dream time. Let's go. 
So dream time it is. Uh, actually, not of Mr. Bolelli this time. Uh-oh. It's a it's a guest dream time, in the sense that it's Isabella's dream. And again, this goes under the file. Maybe I should tone it down with Conan the Barbarian in the house, because uh, it does have an impact on the young and impressionable mind. <laughs> Bikram. Yeah, she comes. Uh, it was pretty funny. Like I was sleeping early in the morning, horrible time to wake up, and Isabella kind of like run over to my room, and she's like, "I'm very sorry to wake you up, but it's morning." I'm like, "Thank you, baby. That's sweet." You know, she said it in a very sweet way, and like, "I'm really sorry to wake you up." I'm like, "Okay," and then she sort of sat there with me and started telling me about her dream. And I was like, oh my god, I'm so using this. This is too good. She starts off there. Already is pretty weird. She's like, I'm in the forest, walking alone in the forest. And that in itself, from you know a five-year-old, is a strange start. You know, you're walking alone in the forest. That's a scary setup. And uh, I see a tiger, and I go pet the tiger, because that's clearly what you should do with tigers running around the forest. Green but tigers. Green tigers, you can do it, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I go pet the tiger and then I climb on the tiger and I'll, uh, I ride the tiger while holding and swinging my two katana swords. And, um, <laughs> and eventually she found me that I was, there was a bad guy trying to kill me. And so between the swinging of her katana swords and, uh, unleashing her tiger on the bad guy, she basically saved my life. And I was thinking, oh, especially because it was great, because the guy, when she, she she was trying to be polite, so she told the guy, stop, kind of like, don't kill my dad, you know, you can't do that. We can reason this out. And the guy told her, what are you going to do, little girl? <gasps> and one thing, she does not want to be called this little girl. Like, every time I say, oh, something, little girl, if she hears that is referred to her, I regularly get punched. It's like, there's just Damn. no, yeah, and I know it and I accept it. I'm like, damn, I said that again. I'm going to pay for it. So so the this dude telling little girl to her is like that wish. So, yeah, between her katana swords and unleashing the, the tiger on this dude, I got saved. Isabella saved the day. But yeah, picturing the whole image of the five-year-old riding to the rescue, riding a tiger with katanas in her hands, that was fairly fun. Like a tornado. Yeah, a miniature hobbit-sized tornado was uh, angry and ready to exact revenge. That's a pretty good dream. Yeah, she wasn't very excited about it. She was all happy. She liked it. I think it was an empowering dream for her. Made her feel good. (laughs) Made her feel not vulnerable and little. Made her feel strong and she could take care of me kind of thing. Do you think it was really a dream, or do you think she dreamed it up in the daylight and just wanted to share an awesome story with you? I think she dreamed the first part, the petting the tiger, riding the tiger, swinging katana swords, uh, saving me somehow. I think she added some detail because I could see her mind at work. Like, I think that part she added, right? Watching it whirl away. Then she started, like, first she told it like that, and then she added detail about the what are you going to do, little girl. That part I think she made up. But uh, but the rest, I think he was, he was that on. And, um, yeah glorious so i again i didn't know whether to feel proud or not about you know the five-year-old swinging swords and threatening people with it but i was like you know what look at me what can what else can i do but be proud i think in this case that's yes. the best way to handle it yeah so, so you're not swinging swords as actual people yet so you got a moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well an embellishment that's an awesome thing who doesn't yeah. want to spice the story up a little bit absolutely so it gets better you know yeah so the in this case we have uh, a guest uh, dream time it wasn't mine <laughs> but it still counts it's through at least half of my dna is in there so there's uh it's good stuff 
No, Isabella, she's so damn funny. But this is the first time that she tell me, actually, you know what? No, I'll have more Isabella dream in the future because I remember a couple that I wrote down from way back when they were glorious. But this is definitely at the close to the top. A little simpler, though. Yeah, keep it simple and to the point. The essentials of life. Story time, everybody! Brought to you by your friends at Sure Design T-shirts, where they'll let you know that happy nipples make for a happy planet. Mr. Bellelli, today's adventure takes us where? Takes us in South Dakota. Oh, is it the Black Hills again? No, it's a Lakota story, though. It's um, late reservation period from... Actually, no, early reservation period, when Lakotas got uh, settled on the reservation... They've been around down there for a while. One of the characters in, a sto- in our story is a man by the name of Spotted Tail. Spotted Tail had been a really badass warrior back in the day, but after he his family had been captured by soldiers, he was told that unless he gave himself up because for for punishment for previous attacks on the stagecoach and other things, you know, his family would be turned over to the pony that were a rival tribe for torture and death. So Spotted Tail decided, fuck it, I have to turn myself in. He did turn himself in, and from that day forward, his whole attitude changed. I think he got the sense that opposing Americans was not conducive to his health, so they eventually let him go. He was expecting to get killed. Instead, they did, and they let him go, but they pretty much squashed his spirit in the sense that afterwards, Spotted Tail was a whole different man. He was um, much more of an appeaser of American expansion. He was always kind of hanging around the fort, waiting for rations to be handed out. There's a whole side to it that, at least that's the rep that he gets from the other side, that he was, uh, that he he had gone soft, basically. Some people would say he had gone soft. Other people would say, well, he had seen that there was no point in opposing American expansion because you would get crushed, so you might as well learn how to work with it and get the best deal you can. How about they want to use the other tribe to do their dirty work? That's really insidious. Yeah, in this case, this uh, this is an internal Lakota story. So you're going to have different sides to fast forward a good uh, 20 years almost to the latter part of the 1870s, early 1880s. Spotted Tail is one of the two main guys who have been given a reservation where Red Cloud was uh, kind of heading the Pine Ridge Reservation, Spotted Tail was heading Rosebud, or what will become Rosebud Reservation right next door. And Spotted Tail had grown a bit comfortable in this position of relative power, but, um, you know, compared to the United States, he didn't have much power, but compared to everyone else on the rest, he had a little more control over things. And not everybody was thrilled with the way he was handling business. Uh, specifically, the other character in our story today is a guy by the name of Crow Dog. Crow Dog was uh, working as a reservation police, um, but despite the fact that they were both working on, you know, Spotted Tail kind of heading the, the, the political side of the life on the reservation at Rosebud, Crow Dog handling some of the policing, they did not really get along very much. And one of the things that had happened is that Crowdog had found out that Spotted Tail was uh, pocketing money. You know, he was letting ranchers graze on tribal land and getting some money for that, 
but that money was not seen by anybody other than Spotted Tail. That money was just disappearing straight into mm. his pockets to build a bigger home and everything else. So Crowdog was not too thrilled with this idea. He was a bit pissed off. On top of it, one day he's running around and this wagon wheel breaks, so he brings it into the agency to have it fixed. And uh, the guy, um, the blacksmith there said, sorry, can't work on it. I can't fix your the wagon wheel because uh, Spotted Tail told me, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, don't help that guy, fuck a dog. He's an annoying guy anyway. Don't help him out. <laughs> so with that going on, Crowdog now has personal reasons to be annoyed in addition to the tra- screwing over the tribe type of stuff. So he goes to the reservation agent who's overseeing the whole thing for the government, saying, hey, you know, there's all this corruption going on, Spotted Tail is doing a shitty job, we should do something about it. And the reservation agent is like, like, I care, you know, I'm really not all that interested. And he was probably stealing a bunch of money as well, because the whole reservation system was ridiculously corrupt. So Crowdog gets no satisfaction there. One day, they have a face-off, and Spotted Tail gets all mad, and he's like, I'm going to kill you someday, to Crowdog. That's a felony in California. That's right. Terrorist threat? No, what is it? Criminal threat. Criminal threat. Crowdog, as he puts it, I'm not one to talk. He says, if I want to do some bad or good, I go and do it. That's the kind of man I am. Meaning, stop talking about it already. If you want to kill me, kill me. Don't tell me you're going to kill me. That's bullshit. That's Add the third uh, injury to the whole thing, in addition to the pocket in the money, in addition from preventing Crowdog's uh, will to be fixed, Spotted Tail decided to go after another man's wife, seduce this other man's wife, who was kind of poor, older guy. And when other people say, look, you need to return. That's not cool what you did. This dude is sort of, that's all he's got. Let her go, all of this. Spotted Tail was like, screw that. I'm the chief. I want to go back. I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. for another trip sometime soon. I want to show her off my pretty new young hot thing. You guys can go fuck yourself. So at that point, one day, Spotted Tail is out riding his horse and um, Crow Dog and his wife are riding around on their own and they run into each other reservation is a big place but not that big apparently and Crowdog sees spotted tail and in think about it for 0.3 seconds and decide you know what spotted tail just saw me and uh, i can see him playing with his gun as he's riding forward i don't think i'm waiting to see what he's gonna do i think i'm shooting the motherfucker dead first so Crowdog gets out of his gun shoots spotted tail dead killing the head of the reservation this by the way will give rise to one of the most complicated legal tales it it will be a huge legal case because it will set a precedent regarding the role of the federal government versus tribal jurisdiction you know what happens if it's an indian against an indian on reservation land that kind of thing but beside the legal story this is an interesting story on a couple of levels one the internal division within the tribe you know, one of the effects of colonization is being squashed in a place where there was a lot of turning onto each other. There was a lot of internal conflict between different factions on the reservation. And in this case, you know, this whole system of guys who may have had their reasons for siding with the U.S. government, 
because you know they saw the futility of resistance but at the same time they start working the system in a way that's a little less than clean you're not exactly doing it for the tribal welfare you're just trying to get the best deal you can for yourself on the other hand you have you know the crow dogs of the story the internal tension you know this kind of stuff is very representative of the underlying tension that existed during the early reservation period between different guys how they felt about how to approach life on the reservation how to deal with the u.s government and so on and so this big shootout is uh, very famous in lakota history sets this legal precedent and in itself this would be an interesting story for for the time period but fast forward 120 years and i happen to be on the rosebud reservation in 2000 2001 2002 somewhere around there 99 right around there give or take and um i'm attending this uh, sundance at rosebud and over there there's uh, leonard crow dog he's like fourth generation descendant from the crow dog who did uh, killing a spotted tail and during this whole thing, Leonard Carodog at one point during one of the breaks of the dance pick up the mic and he's kind of talking about his family history, this and that. And what I find myself in the middle of is this ceremony in which Leonard Carodog brings out in the middle of the Sundance Harbor the descendants of Spotted Tail and uh, kill them all. No, I'm playing. <laughs> no, oh! I'm totally playing. <laughs> no, he brings out these guys in the middle of the harbor and they have this, they basically have this ceremony to kind of let go of the past bad blood between their families and you know this was four generations before uh-huh. there's no point holding on to it now and so they have this whole ceremony where they exchange gift i kind of forget some of the details because it's been a while now but i do remember the overall vibe was this ceremony where basically they make friends they are like letting go of the past and they make friends and it was until really... the littlest one sneaks over and puts a hatchet in his head well yeah that could happen i uh, not i don't I haven't heard that it did, but that's what. Um, so this is grudge killer. They're, gonna, they're not going to not going to harbor a grudge anymore. Exactly, and it was interesting because to me, I read about the whole spotted tail crow dog stories in history books. I read about it because I'm a nerd. I read about it because you know it's been something that I was very well aware of, and I didn't know that that was going to happen. I didn't even know that any of them were going to be there. And so to find yourself in the middle of this thing that's like brings back this story from 120 years before among their families, they are right there, their families and the descendants addressing that particular historical event 120 years later was quite trippy. That was an interesting uh, event right there. The guy, Leonard Crodog, by the way, he was... um, he was the medicine man, one of the main guys for the American Indian movement during the occupation of Wounded Knee in the 1970s. He was one of the... He has been featured in a bunch of books, some by Richard Erdos, who's a great writer. He did an awesome job with some biographies of modern American Indians. One about Leonard Crodog, he did one about Lame Deer, Lame Deer Son, Archie Fireland Deer. Uh, Mary Crodog was the wife of Leonard for a while before they split and uh, her story was made into a movie called Lakota Woman um, there are some really great tales there and um, yeah the Leonard Crodog spotted tale interaction was a uh, that's something that even though the details are not particularly fresh in my memory the vibe of it all I'll remember forever it was, it was a hell of a moment on that note 
I would say that story's over. Yes. Sleep well. Good night. Well, it's that time to reach deep inside the digital mailbag with our special digital mailbag tongs, because the mail's hot. And see what we got in there this week. Sizzling hot. Uh, this is a question that come to us courtesy of Mr. Duncan Trussell. Oh, excellent. is uh, a question that he posed. Duncan has been doing this um, glorious live podcast combining the setup of stand-up comedy with a live event while at the same time doing instead uh, podcasting so you're not obliged to make people laugh every 30 seconds. You can go into a deep philosophical discussion, chit-chat about bullshit, make people laugh however you want it and Duncan is loving this system like crazy. So, oh, yeah, he got people to the warm at the beginning of his uh, events. It's glorious. Oh, that's exactly. I feel like I'm transported back into a Duncan performance. It was pretty fun. No, he's a great. He's so good, and he's a genius because he's. I mean, I'm. It's not the only guy who's doing it, but it's definitely not many people are doing this kind of thing. And is um, there are a lot of podcasters who are kind of weirded out but that idea of mixing the live performance with the podcasting kind of thing and Duncan has been nice enough to have me in where did I go with him Vancouver once I did um, St. Paul and uh, Minnesota we did uh, what else did we do we do the Madison Wisconsin and then we did LA so this one in LA was uh, was rather funny because uh, well you got to see it you come down there was a surprise guest Dr. Drew strange things that happen in the universe but one question that Duncan posed and then we kind of got sidetracked because it quickly turned into a friendly argument between Duncan and Dr. Drew regarding the use of psychedelics that was I think they're just great yeah that's not exactly the way the original question that was posed that we, we stayed on that for about 90 seconds before going in other directions while well, still that to address it now because it was a fun question it was an interesting one that Duncan started with which is basically his thing is about unconditional love is unconditional love even possible is it desirable how do we do it what are the steps to and all of that and um, the Duncan introduced this whole discussion by reading a letter by Gandhi to our, to Adolf Hitler which is real so yeah. look it up just Gandhi's Gandhi's Letter to Hitler. Yeah, that's, Google it. It, it sounds like your mind. it sounds like a joke, right? It's he, like he, he literally starts, "Dear friend." Yeah, he does, "Dear friend." I don't think. Hope if, this doesn't upset you too much. Yeah, that's basically how it goes. It's funny, man. It's really, really funny. How far and, did Hitler uh, go before he, what? And threw it through the ground. Yeah, <laughs> probably gave him a good laugh, you know. But um, yeah, I guess my take on that, on the whole unconditional love thing, is that I don't really buy it. In the sense that I don't think that, I don't think unconditional love is even love. In the sense that, like, there are people with whom clearly you have, uh, you know, it's less conditional with family, with friends, with people you deeply care about for other reasons. You do have a degree of love, but there's only so far you can go. Before. There's always a line. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you are. I don't care if you are uh, my firstborn child, if you are a serial rapist, I'll still put a bullet in your head, you know? 
that's not uh, it doesn't go to like I don't understand that level where it's like you can be an absolute monster but it's unconditional somehow it's like I don't get it it's there are again a lot less conditions to people that either because they've earned your trust or because you have shared this deep bond with like kind of in a parent child type of thing you have way less conditions on that love but you still have some you still need to be a human being that some shred of decency otherwise what's the point you know well and if i recall the only one who really went with it having an existence was dr drew's wife and she went with the mother child thing and but you know, even that's then. probably that's probably a deep and i can't speak from the female point of view but i think if you carry somebody and create them inside you there probably is more of a possibility of that existing Sure, but and again, I'm with you. There's if, no, I'm 100. percent There's always that point where it's like, okay, we've tried everything. If you are Hitler's mom, yeah, and you see Walker created. At some point, you're like, you know what? Uh, well, maybe it's gonna come to a better ending. And let's see what he's. Let's see what his third act is. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. So stuff like that. I don't buy it, and I don't buy it for other reasons too. Because in, even from a purely philosophical standpoint, I don't see a love that's I'm going to give this love to this person regardless, regardless of who, what they do, who they become, what kind of human being. To me, love involves a choice. To me, if there's no choice, it's a compulsion. It's not, it's not love. It's an automated reflex. It's something that you do is uh, you become the Pavlov's dog of love. You know, you're not, you're doing it. It's like you hear the bell and you respond. He's love like time. You, exactly. You. That's really that's Pavlov's dog. There is no. It's a robotic. To me, real love does involve a choice. Does involve the possibility that you decide to embrace it, to go that way, or you don't, depending on what's in front of you. And it's not being a dick, having conditions, quote unquote. It's not like you need to do this for me in order to, but you need to have something that elicits that feeling of love. Otherwise, me giving love to something that's amazing and wonderful or horrible and nasty equally, it's kind of denying the very basic nature of experience, in my opinion. And I know I'm kind of going against every happy oneness Buddhist teaching in the world about this, but I still don't. And again, you know, this is a friendly philosophical argument. I'm not knocking anybody down for this, but I feel like. I don't know. I don't really see it. The I think one of the examples that come to my mind, you know, when you read the the whole Jesus turn the other cheek idea, I think that's a sweet idea. Except forgiveness, sweet love, sweet. If you have a choice, not if. So I trust you so much more if you decide to turn the other cheek nine times out of ten. But then there's the one time that is like. Sorry, man, wrong day. I'm just knocking this motherfucker out. Then the other nine times I buy them more because you actually have a choice in the matter rather than simply going, oh, I'm the love guy. I'll respond the same way to anybody. doesn't matter how or when. Yeah, who's going to buy that but, guy? Yeah, I don't... I, I really don't believe I don't that's... trust you, friend. No. <laughs> You're just I, a little too lovey. And that's what I get to with a lot of some of the... I think when a few people were giving me shit when I was... Uh, kind of poking around, uh, making fun of uh, the Dalai Lama or stuff like that. And again, by the way, I like the Dalai Lama. I think he's cool. There's a lot of stuff he says that's brilliant. But part of my argument was all of the figures that are renowned for one message and they repeat that over and over again, kind of regardless of context. Um, 
I've seen a lot of particularly sort of spiritual leaders who are into this very love everything and everyone, uh, kindness, and I, it's a great message. And when a factory full of 19 or uh, 12-year-old workers get crushed in a building collapse, it's just God's will. Well, no, there's that that drive me insane. But even the, you know, trying to be kind to everyone, trying, I think, is a good idea. But acknowledging the fact that once in a while there's the situation where it's okay not to be. Rarely, if that becomes a habit, that's a problem. You do want your default mode to be more kindness and love as opposed to the opposite. I try. But but it keeps uh, it makes it more real if there's a choice there. If you actually otherwise, again, I don't believe there's a, a love that's on compulsion, a love that's on automatic button. To me, it's not love. It's, well, and how long is, a, is this unrequited love going to last when it is not reciprocated? It's going to turn to something else pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it could be that I can see if you. You know, you really love this one person. It doesn't have to be a romantic love, but it can be a love of some kind. And this person barely know you exist. That's okay. Or this person, you know, they like you, but they are not quite as crazy intense about... They're not signing up. You know, that's fine. I can see even that happening. But not if you do that with everybody. Because that, again, is not a choice. You're not choosing to go into this particular, you know, put that kind of energy out there for this one person. So to me, it really is like the emphasis is on choice more than on the the unconditional part of love that removes choice from the picture. To me, makes it uh, something that I can't relate on any level. It just seems foreign to me. Big no, because the free will vanishes at that point. Like exactly. you said, it's just a motor reflex. It's just a, oh, she's sparkly. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> and not even that, because if it's unconditional, it doesn't even matter. that doesn't count, That's right. right? So it's... Mm, yeah, so moral of the story, Duncan, before you got lost in your psychedelic arguments. No, I agree. I think Duncan, I'm not sure. Actually, I want to have the conversation with Duncan. I want to see what he thinks because it did seem like he was leaning kind of in the direction where I'm going, but I'm not entirely sure because also, I don't know. I, I would love to hear Duncan's opinion on this. I'll try to... Uh, yeah, I don't know how he argues the way that there's always an exception. Yeah. You can go pretty far, but there's always going to be yeah. one point where that motherfucker, yeah. that motherfucker needs a slap right now. And that guy was laughing on that about, the, you know, when he has begging to argue, does unconditional love even work? He's like, what's this wimpy-ass letter that Gandhi wrote? Did, did it change anything on Hitler, or do you need to just go in and just shoot him dead to make it up? He was pretty funny, as usual. Duncan is like, never fail to crack me up. Is uh... And, you know, I, oh, by the way, Duncan made me actually a convert to Alpha Brain because uh, one of the, the second night that we were touring um, the Midwest when we did the night in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. That night, what happened was um, I traveled the entire day the day before, landed an hour before the gig, ran to the gig, recorded, stay up to say hi to everybody and stuff got to the hotel, went to bed, woke up early, traveled most of the day the next day because even though the distance between Minneapolis and Madison is not that much, somehow we had to take like 15 flights to get there rather than a direct shot. Got uh, there, an hour break, have dinner or something, do the gig. We are both, and Duncan had been on the road so much more than I had been, so we are pretty tired by that point. We are like road worn out, and Duncan was like, what up? Take some alpha brain. I'm gonna do it, and I think it, you know, it helps. It will, it will get us started, and 
I'm like, okay, sure. I tried AlphaBrain before, and I, there are a lot of Onnit things that I've tried that I really like. AlphaBrain didn't do it for me at the beginning. You know, I tried it a couple of times and didn't feel anything. And this one time, I don't know if it was Duncan's subtle magic associated with it or what, but man, we were both dead tired. And within a few minutes, we were like, cling, a light went on, and we just started this whole chat, and we had a blast. It was maybe even better than the night before. It felt fresh, so... I'm uh, I'm now uh, I'll, I know I'm kind of late to the party by about five years or something on the Alpha Brain thing, but I'm curious to see where that goes because it worked really well for for both Duncan and I that night. It was a Alpha Brain field podcast. No, it seems to be it, it's great when you are a bit tired and sleepy, or if you got an all nighter coming up. It seems to be. Yeah. Quite nice to get you on the edge. Uh, this portion of the Drunken House podcast brought to you by Onnit. Yeah, that's right. You know, we ended up doing commercial in this. That wasn't exactly the plan, but the no, it was great. So anyway, much love to Duncan Trussell, and uh, we shall. Uh, oh, people were mad. A couple of people were mad because they said I talk shit about him when uh, we're talking about uh, people not calling back. Well, Duncan knows he's not exactly the best at calling people back. It's he acknowledge it. It's done. It's just how it is. See, and, and there'll be no unconditional love from someone who doesn't return an email in two days. So. Yeah, that's right. Damn it. No, and it's still it's Duncan. You know, so he's one of the most awesome human beings in the universe. And it, you know, I like exactly. That's what I mean by less conditions. Somebody else doesn't return calls the way Duncan does. I'll fucking be like, screw you. You're done. <laughs> Duncan does it. Oh, what do I care? It's still Duncan. I'm, I'll be like, ah, fuck, why did... But the next second, he's just so too awesome. So all, all is forgiven. Almost all, otherwise, is unconditional. Almost all is forgiven when it comes to Mr. Duncan. You know, real quick, just because you mentioned it, uh, I'm sure our Scandinavia tour will begin before long because of all of our love from Sweden, Norway, and... and, and yeah, man, we have... Um, Finland. Most of our... We are looking at our worldwide listenership. And other than the U.S. Uh, Canada, U.S. first, Canada second, I think Australia. Probably UK, st- Australia. UK, yeah. Australia, right. They were third and fourth. I forget in which order. And then after that, it was all very Scandinavian countries. was pretty cool. And then it goes into all the... Uh, it gets pretty interesting. Anytime I see listeners in Mongolia, I cry a happy tear. That's oh, it's were, amazing. Uh, Sudan, yeah, no, they Cuba. Were, they were... Yeah, after that, it becomes like literally, literally a worldwide map. Yeah. It becomes well, quite a few in Japan and Thailand. That was cool. No, those were definitely closer to the top, but some of the more scattered. Mm-hmm. I mean, even South Sudan has a couple like, wow. Yeah, that's Who's, like, he got a solar powered radio. No, I, yeah, I love that. But I think the notion of doing the live Drunken Taoist is not too far out, but I would love to hear if anybody's got any interest in that, especially LA area. That one could be organized yeah. by, by the fall. That and it might be, be pretty fun. So if anybody has a notion of seeing that or hearing it, uh, we can put it together. Just let us know. Let's do that. Ta-da! Bible stories about old people being treated badly by the devil and God together. Free speech. Living in the moment. Crazy dreams. Why, we've pretty much covered everything we could hope to cover this episode. Indeed. Let's cover... If you want to cover your own sweet body in glorious short design material in the shape of our own t-shirts, whether the Drunken Taoist logo, the Nietzsche shirt, or the Dionysian parade... Uh, you're more than welcome to do so. By the way, if you're in a, I offer this challenge. Try to see 
if you are able to spot what are the two themes, the two things that show up in every single, I'm sure you can find more than two, but the two that I would like, the two that would be my life priority, that show up in every single one of the um, Drunken Taoist t-shirt, both in the logo ones, in the shirt design, in the Dionysian Parade shirt design one, and in the Nietzsche one. All of them, there are a couple of items that regularly show up. Please do find them and report back to me. You are very good. Let's see. So give yourself... Mr. Rich Evers is going to give us the answer. In oh, no, no. We'll save five, it for next four, time. Five, four, three... Tits and wine. And you're very good, my God. You I saw, got it. I saw them on the T-shirt. There's they, lots of movies on that yeah. second one. I was thinking, I was like, ah, oh, the Nietzsche one doesn't have any, but no, well, because it's it still sporting the original shirt in the Nietzsche, so it's glorious. It's a puzzle wrapped in an enigma. It's one of my proudest creations. So if you want to <laughs> wear the crazy things that come out of my head that get to be turned into art by the awesome Savannah M, by all means, uh, check it out. Those are just electrons. You're in the wrong episode. Oh. You're talking about stuff that we refer to in other episodes. God damn it. Don't, can't keep it straight. <sighs> it's a lot to keep straight. Other things. Affiliate sponsor. Coracao Chocolate and Audible. Uh, you know the drill. We mention them every single time. So if you even think that you may have a remote interest, just check out the episode notes and see. You can get discounts on Every single one of the things we mentioned from Datsusara, Onnit, Shore Design, as well as the affiliates with Kurokau Chocolate and Audible. Audible, you get a freebie. You get to try it out for free for a month. And if you decide you don't like it, you can just quit and be done with it, and you don't owe them a dime. What about donations from the fine folks that help us keep this craziness on the air? Well, let's jump into screwing up some people's names. Let the bartering begin. Let the pottering begin. Timothy Micheladze. Good name. No idea if that's how you pronounce it. Time matters, still good. John Atbury. He has been a loyal donor, and yet I still have no idea how to pronounce his name. Tomas Perch. I have no idea if that's how it's pronounced. He's from Slovenia. That's pretty cool. P-E-R-C. Tomas. Nice, thank you. Jonat Waterloo. Something that gives Napoleon nightmares. Um... David Peterson, Aaron McLaughlin, Chris Treshbal, Tony Kimov, Anthony Butler, Brandon Barr, Alexander Kuzner, Robert Primos, Ryan Lige, I'm guessing there's a double E in there, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Another one from Slovenia, check that out, we are wow. hitting Slovenia this time, nice. Gregor Trefalt, Katie Clark, a lonely female donor, that's always cool. Uh, back from Brazil, Frederico Faro. We missed you. Cool to have you again. And uh, this is a cool name. Check this out. Rogov Singh. How's that? That's a good name. Yeah, indeed. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome. Giving money for something that we give out for free. That's how the world should work. It's beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you guys who do not donate, but if you use Amazon, please use our Amazon link. It helps us a whole bunch. Please, I know it's a pain in the ass to remember to go through our website, click, make sure that your cart is empty so that whatever, it has to be something that you search right there on the spot that you find, not something that was already saved in your cart. It's a lot to remember, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to deal with all the pain in the ass part to help us out. 
deeply deeply appreciated and kiva.org thank you so much as usual for helping out with donation to kiva and anything else we need to throw out there I think that's everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you spreading the word and telling all the folks to check out the Drunken Taoist and join the rest of us in uh, trying to make the world a little calmer place. Indeed. Have a beautiful day. So ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just, whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> Just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.